Welcome to Takeaway, an artisan podcast from McKenna's Guides about good food in Ireland. In this issue, we look at Korean food in Ireland. The food of Korea has long played a diminutive role, sandwiched between the monolithic cuisines of neighbouring China and Japan. Recently, there's been a surge of interest in Korean food. In our obsession with healthfulness, it's come to light that Korean food is probably one of the world's healthiest cuisines. John, you've been cooking a lot of Korean food recently. What are the elements that make up Korean cuisine? Well, some elements are familiar to people in the West who cook Asian food. I mean, there's daikon radish, there's rice, there's noodles, there's soy sauce. But I think there's probably three things that stand out if you want to create authentic Korean tastes. And they are a soybean paste, which is known as doenjang, a chili paste, which is known as gochujang, and a chili powder, which is known as gochugaru. With those three things, you can actually start to create the really authentic flavours of genuine Korean food. There are only about 300 Korean people living in Ireland, but this population swells to around 1,000 when you count in the students here to learn English. Korean restaurants are few and far between, often mixed with a sushi offer or Chinese food. There is a Korean restaurant on Capel Street, Arisu, serving gently barbecued food at your table. The barbecues are built into the tables and the food is cooked in front of you, almost steam-cooked, served with a host of pickles. Our favourite place to eat Korean food has always been the much-loved Hop House. John visited there recently. It's no exaggeration, I think, to say that there's nowhere else in Ireland quite like Hop House. It's surreal, to put it mildly. On the one hand, you have what appears to be a completely traditional Parnell Street bar, but next door to it, you've got what looks like a sort of dining room from the 1950s or 1960s, but it's serving bibimbap and... Uh, wonderful Korean cooking. Kyung Hee Lee is the lady who runs it and we went down to Parnell Street to talk to her about the core elements of Korean cooking. Is there anywhere else in the world which is like Hop House? Because what you have uh, created here is like a traditional Irish bar and a traditional Korean restaurant, but you've put the two together. It's completely, I don't know anywhere else like it. Uh, I didn't mean to, you know, separate restaurant or Irish bar like this, but it just naturally formed like this. In the beginning, it was just a bar, but as a bar food, I thought, we could put sushi or some Korean, you know, food. That was my first thought. So we, we opened the bar first. We didn't have food at the time for a month. Then uh, I was just, I wasn't confident if Korean food as a bar food at the time, but I put introduce one by one. Then people loved it especially local people and artists, including hairdressers. I didn't advertise much, but they learned, they heard, and then it's all the, by word of mouth. They came, they loved it. So in the beginning, I explained what kimchi is, what doenjang, what uh, chili sauce, what soy sauce is like, or how, how it makes. You know, I try my best to explain to to 
get people know about Korean food. But now I think many, most of them know. Before they come to the restaurant, they know Korean food, and then they order by themselves. So, yeah, I'm glad. I'm delighted when I see that. And which is the most popular dish? Because some of the dishes, like bibimbap, yes, have become yeah. well known to people yeah. in the West. So, yeah. so, you know, for for your Irish customers, which is their most, which is the most popular Korean Korean speciality with them? The most popular one is bibimbap, as you said, and bulgogi. So I put these two dishes as a signature dish. Are people in Korea, would, would they be very interested in food? I mean, one of the problems that people say about the West is that increasingly people spend less and less of their money on food. Is, is food a very central thing to families in, in Korea? I think so. I think so. Yeah, Korean people, I don't know, in my case, food is the most important thing to live on and to have a happy life. So I focus on and I always watch out what I'm eating. So I think Korean people, you know, weigh food very highly. And what is your favorite Korean speciality? What's your, what, what's your favorite dish from your own menu? Uh, my favorite is denjangjigae. It's vegetarian, uh, bean paste soup, but it has got all different kind of vegetable in it. And the bean paste, uh, as for bean paste, the older, the better bean paste, but we can just buy, you know, ready-made bean paste. So that's my favorite. It's a rather delightful irony that the official ambassador for Korean food in the United Kingdom is actually a red-headed Irishman. Jordan Burke has written a number of cookery books in the past, but his new book, Our Korean Kitchen, written with his wife, Regina Pio, a fashion designer, is one of those gateway books, uh, in much the same way that Ken Hom 30 years ago introduced the people in the West to Chinese cooking. I feel that Mr. Burke's book, Our Korean Kitchen, is going to do exactly the same for Korean food. When I spoke to him, I told him that when I began to use his book, I was surprised at just how approachable Korean food actually is in a Western kitchen. Yeah, I think that's something that surprises a lot of people. Um, Korean food is relatively unknown in comparison to its kind of close neighbouring countries. Um, China and Japan and you know when you think about the food of Korea especially when you see Finnish dishes they can seem like you know uh, kind of it must be an arduous process must take forever to cook and certainly because the ingredients are foreign to a lot of people um, it just throws them but actually it's something that can be very I mean there are certain dishes that are you know, much more detailed and intricate, like the Korean royal cuisine. But the basic everyday food that people cook at home, um, it does not take that long to cook. The ingredients, um, although some of them would be foreign to people in the Western world, they don't use that many of them. Uh, the fruit and vegetables are the same pretty much that we would use. Um, but it's just some of the flavouring ingredients, like the chilli pastes, the uh, Korean equivalent of a miso paste, the sesame oil, the um, soy sauce, all those kind of things um, that are bringing in all the flavour. 
And because the pastes, the chilli pastes and uh, miso paste that I refer to, because they are fermented and there's a lot of time that goes into the making of those pastes and products, um, when you're cooking with them, you get an, an amazing flavour from them that would lead you to think that you've been cooking for hours. But in fact, it's just the addition of a simple ingredient that has provided all that flavour. Um, so in fact, it is indeed very, very approachable and very easy to cook. Let's put it in an, a very Irish context. There are a surprising number of recipes that use potatoes. <laughs> That's true. Actually, I don't think I ever thought of that. Um, there really are. And again, I suppose um, the comparison you know, that you can make between Irish and Korean food is not one that would be, um, I suppose, that would immediately come to people's minds. But the stew that is synonymous with Irish food is also synonymous with Korean food um, and the soups and um, the porridges and, and many things that we would be accustomed to in Ireland as well. Uh, it's just the flavouring ingredients that are added to it that differ towards the end. So where we would add in, you know, the potato, the vegetables and then a little bit of meat um, and coming from a time when meat was scarce and, you know, used um, in smaller quantities, the same was the case in Korea, except on top of those ingredients, they would also add in things like the gochujang chili paste, the sesame oil, the soy sauce, um, and another flavouring ingredients like uh, a stock that they make from um, baby anchovies that provide a kind of a very subtle fish stock flavour. And, um, and those are all added into it that give it such a distinctive Korean flavour. Um, because the flavour of gochujang, the chilli paste, and tenjang, the miso paste, um, are completely unique. Uh, they're not like any other chilli paste or miso paste or anything like that out there. They are unique in flavour, um, in their flavour profile to Korea. But yes, going back to the old spud, uh, it is it is funny. Maybe that's why I was drawn to the cuisine so much. Um, they They do indeed use a lot of potatoes and indeed sweet potatoes. That's a that's a big one in Korea. They have one of the most amazing dishes is um, a street food where they essentially a bit like you would in a barbecue where you wrap the potato in tinfoil and then it's cooked on the barbecue um, and then they eat it with a little bit of rock salt and it's just sublime. One thing that does come through very strongly in the book is that Korean cooking keeps a very close eye on healthfulness. I mean, I'm struck by the fact that you mentioned that uh, a favourite soup for children's birthdays is a seaweed and beef soup. So there is a constant theme here of using elements, natural elements like seaweeds, for example, and also obviously kimchi for the good of your health as well as for their deliciousness. So, yeah, I think health and food are, are two huge elements of people's lives in Korea. And pretty much any of the main Korean dishes that are... Uh, well known from bibimbap to um, samgyetang, which is the baby chicken soup. All of them are famous for their health-giving properties. Um, and so, for example, if you take the samgyetang, which is the baby chicken soup, it's eaten traditionally at the hottest time of the year in the summer. And um, what happens is they although traditionally you wouldn't think of eating an, an extremely hot soup on a hot day in the summer, their idea is because it uses ginseng and Korean dates um, and other ingredients that would provide you with 
um, sustenance that you would and nutrients that you might be losing through sweat um, that it is the perfect thing to be eating during the summer uh, for its health benefits um, and many many other dishes in fact you could there's almost no Korean dish that there that doesn't have some uh, story of health attached to it um, and when you go out and eat with Korean family and friends they always talk about eating you know or ordering something on the menu just because it is good for such and such an ailment or I'm feeling such and such so I'm going to order this um, it's amazing how much value is attached to food and its health-giving properties but you know it's amazing how how lucky they are to have had that food history and food culture because when you go there the the incidence of type 2 diabetes is extremely low the amount of overweight people you see on the street is very minor you you know in comparison to europe uh, particularly england ireland and america you just don't see that many overweight people at all and it's because their diet is so focused on fruits vegetables small amounts of meat and fish uh, the grain that they use is rice as opposed to, um, I suppose, heavily processed wheat. And the fermented foods is a huge part of the diet as well, through the kimchi and the various other fermented fruits and vegetables that they, that they use. So it's kind of an amazing cuisine in terms of its health-giving properties, and it's, it's one that I think we could all learn a lot from in the Western world. Uh... The all Korean food, we don't use preserved or ready-made ingredient, but we buy, you know, fresh vegetable, all fresh ingredient from scratch, and that's why it takes a long time to make one meal in Korea, for Korean food. So mainly boiled or steamed, or even we fry like bulgogi, we don't use oil, we use water to oil, to fry. But on the other hand, the Chinese food have all good variety of ingredients, but they use a lot of oil. They fry in a very high temperature. So I don't think it's, taste is good, but I don't think it's good for health. And Japanese food is healthy food, but they have a lot of salted food. So it's too salty, it's not a good idea. So I think a Korean food is really Healthy food. Irish pastry chef Louise Bannon has been travelling the world, both from her work with Noma, she was one of the team that took Noma to Japan, and through her work as a stagiaire in many of the great bakeries in the US. After her stint with Noma in Japan, she visited Korea, and we asked her how the food tasted in Seoul. But Korean food is, is very healthy. It's, uh, well, there's a lot of kimchi. And kimchi is one of the most healthiest foods at the moment. There's a lot of grains, rice. There's very, very little fried food from what I've seen. A lot of the meats are like grilled, boiled. There's a lot of stews. One place we visited did like just chicken and it was all um, stewed. It was stewed chicken, but it was like a black chicken in a soup, but it was made with like 30 different types of medical herbs and grains. And it was, it just felt very healthy. And Louise, what was the most memorable thing you ate during your journeys in Korea? Well, we visited a big uh, fish market. It's actually one of the biggest fish markets in Korea. There was a lot of like live fish still there. But you could, you could select your fish there at the market. So you could 
you could you could actually each of the markers your fish that prepared for you, and there was like a live octopus, which they prepared there at the market, and they just put it like on a sesame seed leaf, so you were still eating the octopus and it was still alive. That was probably that was probably quite quite strange to see, but then when you ate it, it was like really tender, really tasted great. But it was a good experience. Korean food is unusual in having a single dish that is not only a centerpiece of the culinary culture, but actually of the entire culture of the nation. That, of course, is kimchi, and we've become particularly interested in it because of all its probiotic qualities and all the good it does for the human microbiome. Initially, with kimchi, the, the smell is pungent and is off-putting to a lot of people, but then the flavour is actually not quite as pronounced. And um, one of the things that is... Um, often misunderstood about Korean food and kimchi in particular is that everything is spicy but there's many kimchis that are and other uh, native dishes to Korea that are very subtly flavoured um, and provide the opposite of spice uh, very soothing and um, very 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 subtly flavoured so there's pretty much a kimchi for every occasion uh, in including uh, because obviously the traditional kimchi is fermented and takes time um, to, to get it to the perfect stage of, of readiness but there are instant kimchis as well or almost instant that are made with cucumber and other vegetables like that um, that mean you can you know knock out kimchi pretty much within an hour even if, uh, you know, in case you've run out of all your traditional um, fermented kimchis. Um, and also it's the time that it takes to ferment kimchi that gives it the different flavour profile. So, for example, my, you know, my favourite flavour, if you take the traditional cabbage kimchi, is after about a week fermentation, so when it's quite young. Um, and then the more sour kimchi that develops that kind of more sour flavour, I suppose, after, uh, I suppose, six weeks to two and a half months. That is then used for, or more commonly used for cooking, uh, where they fry off the kimchi first, uh, which kind of mellows out that sour flavour. And then they add another seasoning ingredients to make something like kimchi pancake or kimchi jjigae, which is a kimchi stew. Um, so they're really clever the way that they use it. They're, although there are some people who absolutely adore eating the the very um, old sour kimchi raw um, without cooking it. So it just depends on the person. You can kind of taste it at the different at the different stages of fermentation to decide which one you you most like. Yeah, the it's basic side dish in Korea on the table. It's not starter. It's not main. It's not dessert. But we eat this kimchi with any kind of food. It goes well with all kind of food. So all family has this from childhood. We are fed by parents, fed this kimchi by parents. So all family or housewives, they learn how to make kimchi. It is very popular over there. Well, I noticed that a lot of the markets, there was, there was a lot of kimchi that people were buying, but there was like hundreds of different types. But when I ate in restaurants, you, you always notice uh, they give you some kimchi on the side. We think of kimchi in the Western world, um, unless you know 
a lot about it. You kind of think of just the main cabbage kimchi um, and possibly one or two others. But there's well over 150 types of kimchi in Korea. And it's not something that is, you know, they only use a few of them and then the rest are kind of kept for special occasions. They use a vast majority of different types of kimchi um, on a daily basis. It cleans your uh, taste, sense of taste, but at the same time it uh, boosts your appetite as well. And I suppose, it, you know, it, it comes from a time when they were just being clever about the storage of um, fruits and vegetables to last them through the winter months. Um, and I suppose traditionally how they did it was to keep them in urns uh, in the ground. In old days, for winter time, we couldn't get the vegetables. So every the family, they prepare for 100 or 200 best, uh, Chinese cabbages to make kimchi and then keep them under the ground to keep the same temperature for whole winter. Then two or three months later, it become fermented. It's really nice. Nowadays, though, that is still it's you know it, it it's still done in that traditional way, and families keep making kimchi at home. On uh, well, they they have these special occasions where people um, come around and they all make kimchi collectively together. And then they uh, keep that then for the winter ahead. So it's kind of the, the modern version of the traditional clay pots in the ground. Nowadays, you know, everybody's busy. They don't have time to make a kimchi to keep, you know, they the cannot dig the ground to keep the kimchi. So we can buy kimchi, you know, small package. And because of that, they have a, a very low incidence of certain uh, diseases and uh, health issues that are very common in the Western world. And, you know, it's a, a direct result of the huge amount of probiotics they're having via the kimchi. Um, and I suppose the also generally the very healthy diet that they have from eating predominantly Korean food. So some years ago, when there was a uh, bird flu in Asian country, there was no case of bird flu in Korea. So scientists or uh, nutrition said they, they thought maybe kimchi helped Korean people keep away from that kind of uh, disease. So it is really, really healthy ingredient, healthy food. Yeah. And when Korean people would um, be using kimchi at a meal, one of the differences with the way people eat in the West is that the, the, the dishes are placed in the middle and it's communal eating. Yeah. So how do, how do people in, in Korean cuisine use chopsticks and use spoons? Korean uh, people use spoon a lot, especially for rice we use spoon. For soup, of course, we use spoons. And we use chopsticks just when we pick we don't, you know, we don't have individual um, dish. We have some common big plate, and that we share everything between families or between friends all together. So when we pick some food from the common plate, we use chopsticks and then eat with chopsticks. But usually rice and soup, 
I heard only Korean people use spoon for rice and soup. Chinese people, they don't use spoon much. Just for soup, they use a very small plastic spoon, but they use chopsticks for rice and everything from the soup as well, Japanese as well, but Korean people use a spoon a lot. You've been listening to Takeaway from McKenna's Guides. The Hop House is at number 160 Parnell Street, Dublin 1. You can find out more about Jordan Burke at jordanburke.com and Jordan and Regina's book, Our Korean Kitchen, is published by Weidenfeld and Nicholson at £25 sterling. <laughs>